Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Giants, meantime, closer to home. They're taking on the Detroit Lions coming up on Sunday. Looking to improve their record to 8-2. and 8-2! and two. Who would have thunk it? Well, let's talk a little bit more about Big Blue with our next guest. He's one of our pals. He covers the Giants for ESPN. We haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks. It's our good buddy Jordan Renan. Jordan, how are you? I'm doing all right. Did we pick eight wins combined, Dan, me and you? I mean, we, we combined, we, you know, we're getting towards combined win totals soon at this point. It's unbelievable. It really, I, as I was saying at the beginning of the show, for both of these teams in New York this year, I mean, who would have thunk this? Do we be sitting here days before Thanksgiving talking about two teams with eyes set on the playoffs? And, yeah. it, you know, I think that we're due, don't you think? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's been a, two teams that, that entered the season, the Jets and the Giants, combined They had over the last five years. They were the two teams tied with the worst record in the NFL, like literally the worst over the previous yep. five seasons, the Jets and the Giants. But now how about this, Dan? It's not completely impossible. Now it's unlikely, but that the Giants could end up by the end of this week tied for the NFC East lead or possibly even tied for the NFC lead. Is tied that for ridiculous the NF- or what? Tied for the out. NFL lead in wins. I, I mean, it's unbelievable yeah. if things break a certain yeah. way, but – that's why you play the games, as they say. All right, let's get right to it. I'm sure Brian Dayball's been preaching it all week long. I'm sure that the players have had to answer question after question after question about it, so I'll throw it to you. Is this the epitome of a trap game or what come Sunday? Yeah, you know, Brian Dayball's been very steady about this, about, like, not looking big picture, not looking at things that we're just worrying about today. Like, Tom Coughlin when you like when the week started every week, he used to put up on the board in the auditorium on the video board and it was, you put the standings, right. And you would know where you are. He wanted you to know, like he said, players, they know where they are. They know where they stand. And he would put that on the screen. And that was sort of the way he started the week. Brian Dable is, you know, he comes from the Bellatrix tree. So he's more of the, you know, we don't look past today, win the day kind of attitude. Like that's, his approach. Like, we're not going to look at anything past what this game is this week, who we have to play, what we have to do today to win. So, you know, they're really trying to, and this is the approach that they've taken and the mindset that they've taken, that if we do that, if we take care of what we're supposed to do today and then tomorrow and then this weekend, you know, everything else will take care of itself. And I think that's kind of the approach. I mean, you hear from the players, they repeat – exactly what Brian Dable preaches. And you're hearing it from the coaches. Same thing, same philosophy. So I think that's kind of the way that this team has found success. And since it's been working, uh, why not stick with it, right? And I don't even think it's a question of whether or not we should be sitting here examining, like you said, they found success, you might as well stick with it. I don't even know if we're at a point to say, oh, but this isn't sustainable. If you want to go deep in the playoffs, you know, you're going to have to be more productive. That doesn't matter. Worry about that when you get there. I think you take it on a game-by-game basis, as you said, 
And you're right. It's working for you. This team is not going to play high-scoring games. They're going to not make mistakes. They're not going to beat themselves. And you know what? That should be good enough this Sunday against the Detroit team, which, let's be real, has been prone to mistakes this season. Yeah, I mean, the Detroit team is the opposite. They, they have some talent, but they do make the, they still make those mistakes that you know bad teams seem to make that uh, prevent them from winning games. Now, the one thing I am interested to see in this game is so if you go look at the top 10 passing teams in the NFL, the Giants have not played any of them yet, right? Or they, they're really not going to face many of them at all this year. Right? Well, if you count the Tennessee Buffalo's once upon a time, right, in week us. one. <laughs> yeah, right. Tennessee is the – yeah, they can't they, – they generally don't pass the ball at all, right? So they, even, like, even like the best quarterback they faced this year was Aaron Rodgers, and we know they're a mess offensively, right? So mm-hmm. they're, they're actually not that good offensively. And then Baltimore and Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback they play, but they run a different kind of offense. They're not just a, a really a, a pass-heavy offense, right, because Lamar is just uh, so darn talented and, and with his legs. So I'm, I am kind of interested to see how this Giants team and defense hold up against a team that can pass the ball pretty well. Now, might be negated a little bit by the weather and the wind, and it's supposed to be pretty chilly in that life. But at the same time, you look at it and you say, well, the best quarterback and passing attack they have faced this year is Seattle and Geno Smith. And we saw how that went, right? They kind of had their way with the Giants a little bit. So it'll be interesting on that, on that, from that perspective to see how the Giants hold up. But on the flip side, Detroit's defense isn't very good. No. How often are they going to have the ball? And are the Giants just going to be able to wear them down and run the ball all over them? Which is kind of what they've done to a lot of teams this year. It was the same formula last week going into Houston, but like you said, all season long too, but especially this week. I mean, you attack that yeah. run defense, and it's funny. I saw that Dayball was asked about that, what, today, right, about Saquon and his workload, and he said, well, you know what? If he's going to yeah. carry it 50 times, he's going to carry it 50 times. Barkley doesn't show any signs of wearing down, Jordan. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. I mean, we said this from day one. The Giants basically have Saquon Barkley on a one-year deal right now, right? He's in the last year of his contract. They essentially can franchise them every year and keep them on a one-year deal for another two years if they want. I mean, they're going to they're going to use them and use them often because he gives them the best chance to win as long as he's healthy. So I think we've seen that. This year. I mean, his workload Dan is ridiculous. I mean, for uh, fantasy owners, love it, right? Because mm-hmm. you're talking about he's playing essentially 90 percent of the snaps. He's accounting for uh, almost 30 percent of the Giants' total yards. I mean, his workload this year is just outrageous. I mean, you don't see this very often. I think you saw it a few years back with like Christian McCaffrey. Even like you look at a guy like Derrick Henry, and yes, he carries the ball a ton, right? And he's that offense. But when they get into third and long and on passing downs, they're at least taking Derrick Henry out. Saquon Barkley is barely ever coming off the field for the Giants these days. Even when they bring Matt Breda on the field sometimes, Saquon Barkley staying on the field and they're running two running backs. So I see nothing that indicates that Brian Dable is going to hesitate to use Saquon Barkley as much as humanly possible. And you've seen it really all throughout this year. And I think we're going to see it as the season goes on. Now you can never predict with running backs when they get injured. And, you know, Saquon Barkley did bang up his shoulder when it's just, you could just land wrong. He could, you could step on a guy's foot like he did in Dallas last year, right? Yep. So, I don't know. It, it, these things sometimes are so random. But in the meantime, you know, they're going to they're gonna ride it as long as he's healthy and say, look, this is our offense. 
even if it's not working early, which it wasn't. If you look back, I know he carried the ball 35 times for 152 yards in this, in this last game against Houston. If you go back and look, 12, first 12 carries, 29 yards for Saquon Barkley. That was basically, by the way, through barely more than a quarter. Right. And they didn't care because they, they knew if they kept running it, they would have success running it. And I think you're going to see the same this week. Even if they don't have early success, if Detroit's putting everything towards stopping Saquon, there's a long-term gain from that. Is that you're going to wear? They, they feel they're going to wear them down. And they're going to have success, and even if it's later on in the game. Eventually, that dam is going to break. A lot of teams employ that strategy for sure. We're talking with Jordan Renan here. Giants lines coming up on Sunday, MetLife Stadium. Um, Giants have a wide receiver on their team. He used to play for the Lions. One time or another, he was pretty productive for them. But things have bottomed out. Um, is Kenny Galladay going to have any sort of a role in this game this week, you think? I don't even know. I, I, I would actually. I know it's an impossible question. No, no. I mean, it's not, it's not an impossible question. You see clues uh, throughout the week at practice usually. Uh, now, Wondell Robinson was kind of limited uh, earlier this week. So you thought, okay, him being limited, you know, or actually he didn't practice yesterday. Him not practicing makes you think, okay, they might need Galladay to do something, even though they've kind of played a different spot, but they're short on wide receivers. The fact that Wondell Robinson looks like he's going to play makes me think that Kenny Galladay, he actually has a chance to maybe be inactive, but I, I, I'd actually be surprised at this point if he's part of the game plan. I mean, he's behind Isaiah Hodgins. There's no, yeah, it's amazing. Little doubt in my mind. And Isaiah Hodgins, by the way, was claimed two weeks ago by the Giants off waivers from the Phillips. Right. Yep. And, and it just at. goes to show you. That's that, where that, we're that's at that's... In the But don't you think, you know, like we always think that, okay, like going into last week's game, remember, he was talking up positively during practice. It looked like he was going to get opportunities against the Texans. He had the two drops, even though the second drop was more egregious than the first one. But this would yeah. be, and I know that he's had a good attitude about it, Jordan, but I mean, on a personal level, wouldn't this be like the all-time rock bottom for him here if he's deactivated against his former team? Absolutely. But, I mean, look, I think the Giants, they already gave him chances. I mean, we, we saw this coming into the season, right? I mean, we, I, tr I tried to tell everyone. I, I think I've mentioned this, mentioned this to you before. I wrote a line like he's running with the stiffness of a mannequin. Like, I was trying to, you know, put it, like, to say it in a way. Like, I got to a point where people were like, no, no, Kenny Donald, he's going to be our number one. No, no. You could see it with your own eyes. It wasn't going to happen. They gave him an opportunity early in the year. It didn't work, right? They, they needed him again. It came back. They gave him another opportunity. It wasn't, you know, they basically benched him. They, they weren't going to play him. He was behind David Sills. You know, so, so to think he was going to come back this time off the injury and be successful, I think it was just unrealistic. This was always likely the way it was going to work out. Uh, I think it's also in his head now because if you say one thing about Kenny Galladay, like he, he wasn't, it wasn't like he couldn't catch. Right in Detroit, he obviously made a lot of plays. He led the league in touchdowns. Now he's at the point where it's clearly, obviously, in his head, and he's dropping passes that he's never dropped before. So, I don't think this is reconcilable at this point. The only reason I actually think he hasn't been cut, Dan, is because they can't afford it salary cap wise. Because if they cut him, he has four and a half million due next year. That accelerates towards this year. Yep. And they can't afford to take that hit on the salary cap. That's literally, in my opinion, the only reason, and that's an educated opinion, the only reason valid. he's probably still on the team at this point. 
it's valid. That dead money would just be crit- uh, it would be crippling. And, and, you know, you could thank the former general manager for that, as we all know. Um, it's amazing that it really just hasn't gotten any better, even to the just even slightly. I never thought we'd be in this position here. How are they looking offensive line wise with the health? I know Neil is iffy. Um, you know, Shane Lemieux is now working Neil's himself back into Neil's the conference. Neil's out. All right. So Neil's not playing this he's week. He's doubtful. He's doubtful, but he's not. He's not going to play. He's not going to play. One more, one more week. I think Dallas was realistic for him. Thursday, what about Shane Thursday, Lemieux? Will Shane Lemieux factor yeah. into this whole thing soon? Yeah. Shane Lemieux, I actually expect to start this week. He'll be elevated from injured reserve or activated from injured reserve, and he'll be back and he'll start. Josh Azudu, actually, who had a rookie who had been starting at left guard, uh, he's had his ups and downs, but I mean, he's done all right in the run game. He uh, got banged up this week in practice, so I think that kind of expedited the fact that, you know, Lemieux was going to get a chance, but the fact that then Azudu got banged up, I think we're going to see him back. So now they have Nick Gates back. You have Ben Bredesen, who was the starting left guard earlier in this year. He's on the verge of coming back in a couple weeks after the Cowboys game. He's on pace for that. Uh, Nick Gates, as I mentioned, he's back from that leg injury. I mean, the Giants actually have some offensive line depth for the first time in forever now. Do they have a lot of Andrew Thomases on their line? No, they only have one Andrew Thomas on the line. But uh, at least it gives you options where if you have guys that do get banged up again, I think the Giants are in pretty good shape. And really, the funny part is, when you look at all these guys, they're all kind of built the same. Not great pass blockers, good run blockers. So, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty interchangeable at this point. And it works for what they're doing, right? Because what do they do? They run and run and run and run the ball and try not to go back and great pass as much as possible, in part because they know that offensive line is in a great pass blocking line. I know he wasn't asked to do a heck of a lot on Sunday, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, to me, I still thought that was one of Daniel Jones's best games last week. I know it wasn't flashy, uh-huh. but you know, more and more, and, 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 and Jordan, bottom line, the guy's winning football games. Like, what more can you ask for from the quarterback? I mean, this guy, he's making a believer out of me, believe it or not. And I didn't think that that was possible at the beginning of the season. Right. I mean, I've been, you know, driving this train that I thought he was good, and I thought he actually played pretty well early last year. It's, it kind of got lost in the shuffle as they kind of fell apart. And But their offense is just better now. They don't put him in compromising positions. Like I said, they know their offensive line is in a great pass blocking line, right? So they're not going to just go back there and drop him back there and let teams, you know, rush, rush the quarterback in, in obvious passing situations because they know it's not, especially with his receiving core, it's not going to work. So given what, they've, uh, what they have, given the situation that he's in, I mean, he's done exactly what the Giants have asked for him. Now, what we know is this. I think this is obvious, right? We could all agree on this. You tell me if you don't. Mm-hmm. We know he's a quality starting quarterback in the NFL. You know, like yes. if we rank the top 32 quarterbacks, he'll come somewhere near the middle, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you can argue, depending on how much you like him, 12 to probably 18. I'm making up numbers. I haven't done this exercise. He's middle of the pack, at least middle of the yeah. pack. So the question is with him, is he good enough to be a quality starter? But is he good enough to build around, to want to build around? And I think that's the question that the Giants still need to answer. And I still don't think they have answered because I think part of that equation is he has to stay healthy for a full 17 games because he's never, in, in, even if it was 16 before, 
He's never done that in his career. So to get through the end of the season is still one of the obstacles to making that conclusion. And I know Jones won't like this, but just to satisfy what you said, and I agree with you, it would be in the best case for the Giants if they could almost just franchise him for next year, not commit long-term, because then they can go about answering that question further, getting more talent in here, and then seeing if he plays at an even higher level than you're seeing this year. True. That's $31.5 million, I think. That's, the it's going right. It's cash. going right. Great, great cash, though, against the salary cap. I think in an ideal world, you'd like to – Get, you know, maybe come up with a, a different solution. Maybe like Jameis Wilson got, I think it was Jameis Winston got two years. I called him Jameis Wilson. I think <laughs> that's his two cousin. Years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two years, $30 million. I think he got with like something like 21 guaranteed. Now I think Daniel Jones, he's not coming off an injury. He would demand a little bit more. Like if you can come up with a, a two, I think a two or three year deal, where you're basically committing for one year and then you guarantee some money for the second year that you'd be willing to eat if it doesn't go well. Same concept, though. Mm -hmm. You front-load the hell out of it, exactly. Yeah, keep it in that, okay, let's see how you do next year before we really make a commitment. But at the same time, you have to think about this. Joe Shin comes from Buffalo, Brian Dable too, right? Mm -hmm. They made the playoffs that first year. Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback, but they didn't really want to build around him. Right, they drafted Josh Allen. They had the twenty first pick that year. Traded up eventually got to number seven and got Josh Allen. So I do think that's still gonna be on the table with this team. Uh unless I mean, I just unless they really Daniel Jones really takes them far. But each win makes it harder for sure to get off Daniel Jones. Darn right about that. Um, well, enjoy the holiday because we won't be talking probably. Well, I don't know. You never know. We might. But I'll wish you a happy Thanksgiving anyways. And at the very least, I do hear that Jerry does a nice Thanksgiving spread down there for the media in Dallas. You're not kidding. I had heard that. as a, First of all, Jerry does a nice spread even when it's not Thanksgiving. I mean, like, A1 top-notch spread with, like, you know, carved meats and a ridiculous uh, dessert table in the back, plus the only, tw- the only stadium in the league mm-hmm. to have the beer tap for the Ooh. media after the game. <laughs> they used to serve at a giant stadium once upon a time. Not a tap necessarily, but they had after the games. You remember that. Yeah, well, not surprisingly, my favorite stadium to go to is Dallas. And on Turkey Day, and you know what? You got yourself a marquee football game, too. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? Uh, no doubt. Safe, tra- safe, safe travels if we don't talk. And have a happy Thanksgiving, my friend. And uh, enjoy Sunday. Bundle up. It's going to be cold out there, I right hear. Yeah, that's all right. You know, I'm not going to pretend like we're sitting outside. We're sitting I know. comfy we, heated press box. <laughs> we rough it <laughs> indoors. We're heroes man. here, Dan. <laughs> we're heroes. <laughs> be good my friend appreciate it as always Thanks, there's uh there's jordan renan espn covers the giants giants lions coming up on sunday we'll get the jet side of things with my broadcast partner greg buttle coming up in about 10 minutes dan grass until 9 30 right here on 98.7 espn are you tired of uncomfortable stuffy clothing when you're on the move task performance is here to revolutionize your active lifestyle Crafted with their innovative organic cotton and bamboo fabric blend, Task Performance's Carrollton Collection is Task's all-time most popular active wear. 
Tass Carrollton Collection is breathable, moisture wicking, and provides USPF 50 plus sun protection, keeping you fresh, cool, and comfortable all day long. Task has harnessed the natural performance qualities of bamboo to deliver amazingly soft and durable apparel produced in an ethical and sustainable manner. Whether you're hitting the gym or on the trail, the golf course, traveling, the office, or just around town, Task Carrollton Collection will help you feel better, move better, and live better. Available in dozens of colors. See what better looks like at taskperformance.com. Use code SPORTS to get 20% off. That's code SPORTS at TASCperformance.com. Task, creating the most comfortable performance apparel on the planet. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso Show, we're hanging until 9.30. Then it's Nick's Dubs coverage right here on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks to Jordan for hopping on. and. Look, it's no secret this week. Run the football. Let the Lions be the ones to make mistakes. I just, I, I, I can't see, and I know that everybody wants to say trap game, trap game, looking ahead to Dallas on Thanksgiving. I can't see the Lions winning three straight games. I don't think they're good enough to win three straight games. Going on the road, yes, for it's going to be a hostile environment. It's going to be chilly. You know, this is a team that's an, an indoor team. In the Lions, I, I, I just think the Giants are better suited to win this football game. They're the better team. And I would be really surprised if they didn't, to be quite honest with you. Speaking of weather and speaking of elements, I'm sure you've been keeping up with what's been going on with the Buffalo Bills and up in western New York there, how they have just been, uh, you know, bombarded with snow over the last couple of days. And, you know, we kind of suspected a couple of days ago that that game would not be played as scheduled, and it's not going to be because they moved the Bills and the Browns game to Detroit. Makes perfect sense, right, because the Lions are out of town playing the Giants, and now the Bills at least have the option to where if things are still bad, they could just camp out in Detroit for a few days because they got to turn right around and go back and play the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. So it does make perfect sense. The problem that I see, though, is this is, look, and, and it's an act of God, so what can you do? It's not like it was anything that was brought upon them for, you know, something that was self-inflicted. But Buffalo, they've already lost two games in a row here, right? And you could say for now it's just a speed bump. I mean, no team is going to go undefeated. But now they're 6-3. and three. You know, you've dropped two straight games. Now you're dealing with the challenges of this storm where you essentially lose out on a home game. You know, they could sell as many tickets as they want to, you know, make people wear Bills stuff and, you know, put up Bills logos all over the stadium. It's still not going to be a true Buffalo home field advantage in this game come Sunday. So this is almost like an extra road game, if you ask me, for the Buffalo Bills. And Cleveland, I know Cleveland's a mess. 
But Cleveland's got talented players. You know, Cleveland's got probably, you know, if not Saquon Barkley, the best running back in the NFL this year in Nick Chubb. They got a game wrecker in Miles Garrett on defense. You know, they've got guys who can, you know, can make the game miserable for you is the point I'm trying to make. And they've already been dealing with some adversity this week of the Buffalo Bills. They couldn't even practice today. Think about that. Friday. They couldn't get a practice in. They had to do everything virtually. It was almost like, you know, back in the COVID season, one of those nightmarish uh, virtual meetings. You know, so you just wonder, like, all right, they're already off rhythm a little bit. Now their routine has been adjusted. This is, this is where you earn your money if you're Sean McDermott as the head coach of this team because this is a tough ask with all the challenges that it presents just getting ready to play this football game on Sunday. And, you know, if you lose this one, now you're 6-4, and four, and this could be a really what we thought special season for the Buffalo Bills, which could be going off the tracks a little bit. Um, it's just it, crazy. But you know what? You're a Jet fan, you're not complaining, right? You beat the Bills once. You want to put them as far in the rear view as possible, and a good way to continue that is go beat the Patriots this week up in Foxborough. Speaking of that, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the matchup, of course. My buddy on Jet Pre and Post is Greg Buttle. He will join us next to talk about what we can expect to see on this Sunday afternoon. Dan Gross' show. Remember, we go for another hour until 9.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine, especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups and sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up and power your buys and tries the right way or de-stress with some cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Jets coverage kicks off here on 98.7. A fairly important game, I would say, with the Jets and the Pats. Pre-game with yours truly and Greg Buttle at 11 a.m. And number 51 is nice enough to join me on the program right now as we speak. Sir, how are you? How's things? Good evening, my friend. Everything is great. I'm, uh, I'm actually at Marty Lyons Foundation uh, gala event tonight, and uh, JFM is in the house. Really? Wow. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. considering, considering it's Patriots week, you might want to tap him on the shoulder and give him a reminder, no more late hits to the quarterback for this one. How about that? I said kill him. <laughs> in true Buttle fashion, <laughs> of course. How was, how was the bye That's week? Right. Did, you, did you stay out of trouble during the bye week? Yeah, uh, the bye week was great. I, uh, I, I had a wonderful time. Again, I told you, uh, I was going to Montauk to my buddy's place, the Sapa Meister, and I will tell you, it was a great, great weekend. It rained a little, but it was wonderful to be with the fam and do everything. Absolutely. And now we're back to football here, and 
Look, I mean, make no mistake about it. You know, this is a big game. It seems like you and I have said that on several occasions already this year, that this is the biggest game the Jets have played in a number of years, and I think this one appropriately fits the bill as well. Let me ask you this, though, from your playing experience. Jets just played this team, what, three weeks ago? When you had an opponent that you faced in a very quick turnaround like this, was that that much more helpful for you in getting ready to play the game? Um. I, I would say no. I, I mean, I think it only happened one time, and it happened to be the Miami Dolphins, I believe. And um, there there really was no big difference. There was no big difference. No one was injured. No one got healthy. It was uh, – I, I think they beat us the first game, and then we beat them the second game. But, uh, again, we went into that second game uh, thinking we could we could beat them, even though we lost the first game. So I think the Jets – are still in the same same uh, mental uh, outfit like that where they're thinking, all right, we made mistakes. We gave them some of the games, and the referees helped us, and so let's go out there, play a clean game, and see what happens. And I think that's the name of the game, right? Because like you said, that Patriot game, certainly the Jets feel they should have won it. I mean, it's well documented, the mistakes they made in the game. The quarterback threw a few balls up for grabs. The penalty that was very questionable, of course, at the end of the half, which wiped out a pick six. I mean, is it as simple as saying, Greg, if you just eliminate the miscues, you go up there, the Jets are the better team, they should beat the Patriots on Sunday? Uh, You know what, Dan? I I don't think it's as simple as that because, remember, we're we're not in the game that, that played three weeks ago. You're in the moment. And players react in the moment. And sometimes they vapor lock. Sometimes they they do extraordinary things like uh, Jefferson's catch on fourth and twelve or whatever it was for oh. the Minnesota Vikings against the Buffalo Bill. Come on, I mean, how do you how do you play call that? Oh, can you imagine that play call? Oh, you let Jefferson run down there. That's correct. <laughs> so it's all about players and how they react to things, and 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 I think the Jet players are in a good place. I think they do have a lot of a lot of belief in, in, in what they can do as a team. Not not individually. I think it's all about what they can do as a team and I think that's their mantra. I think they do believe they have a good football team. Now, they've got to go out and prove it. I mean you you wanna cast cast out the, the, the media and fan demons of losing thirteen in a row. Uh, but those aren't demons from this football team. This football team only played them once or twice. Uh, I mean, if, if you're a bad football team, you're going to lose all the time. And the Jets certainly have been a bad football team of late. So if you give, if you chalk it up to the Jets as a bad team, all right, let's see how they do as a good team. Because I, for one, think they're a good football team. And I'm looking forward to this football game, win or lose. I'm looking forward to how they, plays, how they play and the maturity of, of one Zach Wilson. The fact that they immediately erased the disappointment of the Patriot game by coming back the next week and beating an even better team in the Buffalo Bills shows you that they're a resilient bunch. That being said, is that enough to eliminate any sort of concerns you might have about coming off of a bye week because you lose some of your momentum, your rhythm, having that week off, especially coming off such a good performance like you had against the Bills? No, un- unfortunately, I, you know, you, you can write books about all the other nonsense that's involved, but that was then and now is now. And, and 
there's 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 nothing to replace now. You can't replace now with then. You can only replace now with future. So go beat somebody and make your future. And that's what they have to do this week. So you don't worry about the layoff or anything like that, kind of making them stale or rusty or anything like that, getting ready for this game. You don't think right. it's going to have that big of a effect? No, Danny, Danny, I don't believe that for one second. I, I, I think that, that, listen, there are plenty of players in this league that, that don't prepare like other players. They, 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 they prepare on their own innate ability. Uh, but the ones that prepare the way a business prepare, you're ready. You are set. You know what everyone's going to do. You've got to be able to anticipate the play. And, 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 and I mean, before the snap of the ball, that offense knows basically what defense you're going to play. And before the snap of the ball, you're off, your defense should know what plays are, they're going to run. And only a few times in a game should, be, should you be surprised by some play that you've never seen before. That's preparation, Dan. Speaking of preparation, I don't know if you caught this. It was, I think, earlier this week. Belichick was doing one of his press conferences up there. Or maybe it was late last week. It was one or the other. But he singled out specifically C.J. Mosley for the last game they played against the Jets a couple of weeks ago that C.J. Mosley basically was almost in the Patriots' huddle. Like, he knew what play the Patriots were going to run before they even snapped the ball to where, boom, they sniffed it out like that. And Belichick was actually giving him credit that that's part of football. That's part of scouting preparation. It's been going on for years and years. It's interesting that you made that assessment because Belichick said the same thing uh, a few days ago. Well, again, that's part of being a pro. That's part of being smart. And that's part of being prepared. And if you don't do all of those things together, uh, you, you're, and, and you're not 100% physically able, you're going to have a tough time out there. And, and so far, this game is hard enough physically to play that you've got to make yourself prepared mentally for the football game at all costs. All right, defensively. We watched the first game. The Patriots only scored one touchdown in that game. The rest were five field goals. From a defensive standpoint, you think the Jets need to do anything differently as how they try to slow the Patriots down on Sunday? Well, I, 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 again, Dan, it's how the game unfolds. In other words, um, let's pretend the Patriots come out and run the ball 20 straight times and uh, they score a touchdown. All right, you've got to adjust, improvise, and adjust and say, okay, this is what they did on this drive. How did we affect ourselves? What did they do to us? Uh, what defenses were we in that, that they doubled some guy that we never should have been doubled? They did things differently. Then you improvise and adjust and, and go from there. But I, I, don't, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think that uh, your, your preparation is going to change much. You're going to do what you do best. And if you're and if your opponent is able to stop that, well, you got to take your hat off to them, because I'm not going to beat you with what I do poorly. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to beat you with what I do best. Well, that's the thing, and I mean the Jets got to Mac Jones. They made life miserable for him, right? They sacked him six times. They forced what we thought was a pick six at the end of the half, and you know they got nullified by the INT. But you know up front, you think that they should be able to at least impose their will on the football game. Now on the other side, offensively. You know, they fell behind 
And Zach Wilson threw the ball a lot in that game. He threw for a career high in passing yards. And they got, you know, they were guilty of maybe getting away from the run a little bit too soon. We saw how the Bills game ended, how they ran it down the Bills' throats on that final drive there in the fourth quarter. And I know what you say all the time, running the ball is fine if you do it in the fourth quarter when you wear out the other defense. But could you see maybe the running game be a little bit more part of this week's game plan given Jets didn't run it all that much against the Patriots first time around? Oh, you know what? I, I don't know. I, 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 I just don't, I don't – I'm not buying into the fact that you've got to – uh, go out there and initiate a run game. I, I think the, the way Lafleur calls a game is it's a uh, it's a initiate a run game by throwing the ball short and use that as a run game. So it's not about handing the ball off. A lot of people think when when you or I talk about the run game, it's about handing the ball off and ground and pound. Uh, and in reality, that's that's really not what it's going to be. It's the it's those stupid. Two-yard passes that get you six yards. It's the one back out of the backfield that someone doesn't cover. It's the tight end that turns at the at a five-yard area downfield because the first down was four yards, and so he got the first down by a yard. All of these little things that are passes, in reality, are what make your run game go because now your linebackers become in limbo. You can't jump something to stop the run unless you run blitz and you just can't drop back because you, they can still run the ball. So those are the areas. It's not the areas that are 30 yards downfield. It's all within the five and six and eight yards of the line of scrimmage. No Corey Davis again. So Denzel Mims is going to have another opportunity on the outside, but do you think this is the week we finally see maybe Elijah Moore incorporated back into this game plan offensively? Well, I, I, again, you, you, you saw Tyler Conklin be, you know, get his, his receptions and two touchdowns the last time. I don't think that's going to change. I do, I do think that they, they, maybe they're going to uh, get Robinson more involved in the pass game this week. Um, I would maybe, agree. Maybe you will see, maybe you will see Elijah Moore uh, in motion and hit the motion guy. Uh, you know, I, I got to tell you something. Garrett's Garrett well, well he was he was awesome you know so there are plays that you can have against the New England Patriots but you have to be patient you can't force them and I think that's the big big point here be patient don't force it don't turn the ball over and and the New York Jets should beat the New England Patriots could be talking about a first place football team come turkey day did we ever think that was possible back in the summer no, I don't. I don't think anybody in the football eating world would have believed that. So, uh, I, I do. I do believe that. Uh, in in August, you and I spoke, and I said I thought that they were a ten win team, but I did not believe that they would be six and three, uh, and and being in this position. And certainly, I did. I did not believe that they would that that the Buffalo Bills would be six and three, and the Miami Dolphins would be six and three. So this whole league is upside down and all within one score almost every single game throughout the week. And, and I don't know how the NFL does it, but it, they, they bottled something that is so entertaining, it's unbelievable. Everybody's got a fighting chance. That's what they bottled for sure. Uh, my friend, go enjoy uh, the rest of the night there. Give my best to Marty and JFM, and uh, we'll talk to you on Sunday morning. Looking forward to it. Here's looking at you, kid. 
All right, buddy. You'll be good. There's Greg Buttle. Of course, our coverage begins 11 a.m. Sunday morning, Jets-Patriots pregame. Bob and Marty have the call at one. It's a biggie at Foxborough. You win, you're in first place. You lose, you drop down to fourth place. Not too much at stake, of course, right? We come back. We're going to do our picks to start off the 9 o'clock hour. Big week 11 picks in the NFL. But when we return, I think we got some more information on a couple of teams in particular that took to the field last night for Thursday Night Football and, unfortunately, some ugliness for one of them afterwards. Dan Gross' show till 9.30. Then it's Knicks basketball right here on 98.7 ESPN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So tonight was the deadline real quick for baseball teams to either tender or non-tender certain free agents' contracts. Uh, Luke Voigt was non-tendered by the Nats, so he is a free agent, of course, former Yankee. Doesn't sound like Dom Smith is going to have a contract tendered to him by the New York Mets, and it's... You talk about a guy who, you know, seemed like he had a role and then last year just slowly but surely just kind of fell out of favor with the organization to the point where, you know, he spent a lot of time in the minor leagues and for all intents and purposes, looks like his time as a Met is done. It's just, you know, they, they, they couldn't really find a home permanently uh, on this roster. And the Dodgers, meantime, they're going to have about $100 million coming off the books because Andrew Heaney, Tyler Anderson, Craig Kimbrell, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, and Cody Bellinger are all going to be free agents. Cody Bellinger, non-tender. Think about that. Cody Bellinger, we were talking about it during the break. An MVP, not even all that long ago. And now the guy is like Dodgers, like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's just incredible. And the sad thing is, is all that talent that they lose who, you know, were very valuable one time or another, like Justin Turner and, you know, Trey Turner, of course, is going to get a fortune in free agency. He might even go back to the Dodgers. Who knows? But um, they're going to replace them with guys that are good. That's just how they do business there. Uh, last night, you had a big week 11 kickoff there at Lambeau Field. It was cold. It was blustery. You had some snow flurries. And I, for one, am surprised that Tennessee goes in there and beats up the Packers the way they did. And what it proved to you is a couple of things. Number one, it showed you that Green Bay, uh, it, it's not their year, okay? Um, the game against the Cowboys last week, that was an aberration more than anything else. It was... Blind Squirrel finds an acorn. They were due for a win. They had lost five in a row. They got one. And then last night, it was like same old, same old. Rodgers was misfiring on open receivers. I know he's got a messed up thumb, but, I mean, that was really uncharacteristic of him. And Tennessee just went in there and played a more physical game and ran the ball down their throats. And, I, I, see, Tennessee is one of those teams, like, I don't really think all that much of. But somehow they're 7-3. and three. They're going to win that AFC South, and they're going to go to the playoffs again. 
You know, they don't have a quarterback that you really trust in Ryan Tannehill. Their defense plays physical, especially up front, and they can use Derrick Henry to just absolutely pound the opponent into submission. That's how they rule. And you think about it. Go back to week one. You know, they make that kick. Bullock makes that kick. Tennessee beats the Giants. Then they're 8-2 and two instead of 7-3. and three. Maybe we look at them just a little bit differently. But, you know, it's all about when you play teams, too, in this NFL. But, look, they're going to win the AFC South. So it really isn't all that big of a win last night in terms of affecting, like, Jets with potential tiebreaker or playoff stuff. I mean, Tennessee's going to win the South. They're the only team that's going to get to the playoffs from that division. Giants, on the other hand, the Packer loss is good for them because, you know, I've been saying it. I don't even think you're going to get seven teams in the playoffs on the NFC all that have winning records. You know, you're going to get a bad, well, maybe bad's a strong word. You're going to get a average to maybe below average team that sneaks in in the NFC just because the conference is so bad. So now you can just effectively eliminate Green Bay as being one of those clubs. Right, whereas in the AFC, I think you have about nine teams for the seven spots. Like, I don't know if you have a legit seven on the NFC side. And not saying the Giants are ever going to fall back to where they're going to be in that mix, but now you don't got to worry about Green Bay. And this ain't their year. And, you know, they've had a great run here. Rodgers is coming off of two straight MVPs, but he's not going to win one this year, and they're not going to be going to the playoffs this year. Here was Rodgers after the game last night on the loss. Well, I thought Ryan played really well for them. Stopped the run, gloved us in the back end. Uh, we knew this crew didn't throw a lot of flags. Combine that with, you know, me missing some throws and us not capitalizing on a couple opportunities like Keyshawn's uh, return there. Getting points there obviously hurt us, but we just never could kind of get over that hump and get the ball back with a chance to take the lead. So then afterwards, I wake up this morning and I see that the Titans offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, was arrested for DWI when he got back to Tennessee. So what likely happened was they were probably, you know, celebrating the win, having some drinks on the plane, flying back. He gets in the car with the wee hours of the morning when they land. He's driving home, and he gets pulled over. There's a strict policy that the NFL has, no alcohol and all that stuff on the flights back because they don't want things like this happening. Remember, the situation is still fluid with with Andy Reid's son in Kansas City and for what happened with him when he was drinking at the stadium, gets into an accident, where a three-year-old girl, his, her life is ruined forever because of drunk driving. The NFL wants to make sure this doesn't happen again. And you know what? I could see a suspension down the road here for Todd Downing because of something like this. You got to send the message. All it takes is one episode like what happened with Andy Reid's son. You don't want that happening again. All right, half an hour still to play with here on this Football Friday. We come back, do some NFL picks. Dan Gross' show, then it's Knicks basketball at 930 right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. And, of course, it's Friday, so that means it is time for our Week 11 version of none other than the Dan Grasso. NFL picks, maestro the music, please. Oh, yeah. Can you feel it? Football in the air. It's cold outside. You know, it just feels like football. You got Thanksgiving around the corner. Both teams in our neck of the woods are doing well. But other teams play football, too, even some bad ones. So, you know what? We'll try to give you a handful of games. Remember, we went 4-1 and one last week on the Cover 5 app. We put the picks up there already, so follow along. Game number one, it's not a great one. Boy, a couple of years ago, these teams were playing for the NFC Championship. Now they both stink. Rams, Saints. 
Well, I tell you, I was dead wrong about the Saints at the beginning of the year. I thought they'd win the NFC South. I thought that roster from top to bottom was actually the best in the league, but I wasn't dead set on the quarterback position, and that's been a mess, among other things. Rams, you know what? They've been a major disappointment. They went all in on a Super Bowl last year. At least they got that to show for it because everything has fallen apart this time around. The offensive line can't block anybody. Yes, they've lost players. We know all that stuff, and their depth has just taken hit after hit after hit. At least this week they get Matthew Stafford back. No more John Wolford. But he's not going to have Cooper Cup to throw to, the Super Bowl MVP. But Stafford is still an upgrade over John Wolford. New Orleans, meantime, their run defense stinks, even though the Rams don't run the football all that well. But the Saints are just 2-7-1 against the spread this year. 2-7-1. I don't know how much longer Dennis Allen is going to be coaching that football team. I, I understand he was on the staff. I get it. He wears a visor. But this team is better than, than a 3-7 and football team talent-wise. But it makes my decision a lot easier to take the three and a half points that I'm getting from the Rams. They're going to fly down to the bayou. They'll take care of business, get back in the win column. Give me the Rams plus three and a half. That is game number one. Game number two. Let's go to MetLife Stadium. Sunday. Wind chill, they say, is going to be in the 20s. That's football weather as far as I'm concerned. Giants. Lions. Giants trying to go to eight and two. Eight and two. Wow. Lions, meantime, are looking for a third straight win. Giants can't get caught looking ahead, though. They got a big game on Thursday against the Cowboys. Jerry World, Thanksgiving, Turkey. You know how the Giants do it, right? They've won seven games. They've all been by one score. You know, it's not pretty. It's not flashy. But it's effective. And I don't expect this to be any different. Detroit can't stop the run. What can the Giants do really well? Run the football. Saquon Barkley having as good a season as anybody. They are going to use him, Brian Dayball said, if need be, maybe even 50 times a game. I don't know if it'll be that much, but it's going to be enough to where that will be the deciding factor. I wish I was getting maybe a half a point either way to make this feel a little bit more conviction-wise. Give me the Giants. We're not jumping off the bandwagon yet. I'll lay the three for the Giants. Game number two, they win this one over the Detroit Lions. Not going to be a blowout, but they'll take care of business, get to eight and two, avoid the trap game scenario before heading down to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Game number three. Let's jump to the AFC side of things, right? We're equal opportunity, so let's go to the AFC. A couple of teams that folks thought would maybe have good seasons, both with new coaches this year. Guess what? They're both horrible. I don't know how much longer both of these coaches are even going to be coaching these teams. Broncos, Raiders, Vegas, Denver. This one is in the Mile High City. The Raiders last week lost to Jeff Saturday. Imagine a buddy of yours who likes football and he watches games on the couch. Imagine that same buddy getting hired and then later that week coaching an NFL game and then winning an NFL game. That's who the Raiders lost to last week, even though Jeff Saturday has football experience. I'm not trying to tell you he doesn't. But the Broncos look like they have no idea what the hell they're doing this year with Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach. But you know what? I've talked too much already, haven't I? I've talked too much already about this game. I'm now going to turn things over to the head coach 
of said Denver Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, who will now get you as fired up as humanly possible about this clash on Sunday. Take a listen. Somebody's got to win this game. You know, they're a really good football team. I know everybody looks at records, but in the NFL, I believe that everybody's really, really good. And uh, somebody's going to have to make that final play uh, to be able to make it that, you know, who comes out on top. Somebody's going to have to win the football game. Law of averages. I mean, they could tie, but basically that is how you summarize this game. What's your reason to watch? Somebody's got to win the football game. You know what? I'll take the lesser of the two evils in this one. I can't believe I'm even going near it, but I am. Give me Denver. Give me Russell Wilson and his dangerous Subway sandwich. Subway for everybody. I'll lay the two and a half. It's only a field goal. How can I pick a team and have confidence in a team that lost to Jeff Saturday and you got the quarterback after the game basically throwing everybody under the bus? What happened? So Denver minus two and a half. That is pick number three. Game number four. Let's go to the AFC North. Let's go to the North. You know, once upon a time when the weather was a lot warmer, the Bengals and the Steelers, they played a game in week one of the season. In Cincinnati. Game went to overtime. Steelers actually won the game. Neither kicker could make a field goal, but Pittsburgh found a way to win it. And you're thinking, boy, Cincinnati coming off of a Super Bowl. Remember, they started 0-2. Super Bowl hangover, Super Bowl jinx, all that stuff. Pittsburgh, boy, never doubt the Steelers, never doubt Mike Tomlin. They always found a way. Remember how crazy that game was? Well, that might as well have been another universe because now they're going to play again. And even though this game is in Pittsburgh, it's going to have a drastically different outcome. You ride the hot hand in this one. I know Pittsburgh won last week, but they beat the Saints. That barely counts. Come on. And if this is going to be a shootout between Joe Burrow and Kenny Pickett, I'm going to go with the guy with the bigger hands. So give me the Bengals, minus four and a half. They're a better football team. I know TJ Watt is back. I just don't think it means anything. Bengals will flex their muscle, and they will continue to make their climb to the top of the AFC North. Game number four. Game number five. We hop in the car. We hop on the bus. Whatever your mode of transportation is. And we hit I-95 and we go up. Up to New England. Up through Connecticut. Maybe pass through Rhode Island there. Into Massachusetts. You see all that fall foliage. It's Thanksgiving week, right? Picturesque. And they're going to play a football game in Foxborough on Sunday, too. Two division rivals. They don't like each other. One has beaten the other 13 straight times. That is a baker's dozen. 13 straight times. Zach Wilson, he's finished two games against the Patriots in his career. He's thrown seven interceptions. Seven. Bill Belichick, the last two years... In 2020 and 2021, when Tom Brady is not his starting quarterback, he's 0-2 off the bye week. Think about that. The genius, Bill Belichick, two weeks to prepare for an opponent. He is 0-2 when number 12 is not his quarterback. He's got Mac Jones. You know what? It ends on Sunday. It ends. 
And this really isn't that big of a surprise if you've listened to me. Jets are the better football team. Jets should have beat the Patriots at the Meadowlands a few weeks ago. I don't care about demons. I don't care about ghosts. I don't care about history. I don't care about 13 straight losses. I don't care about interceptions. None of that stuff. Jets will line up. They're going to wear their white jerseys and their black pants where they are undefeated with that uniform combo. And they will walk into Gillette Stadium and a long overdue victory will take place. The Jets are getting three and a half. They will put that in their pocket and then some. They will beat the Patriots and move into first place in the AFC's Eastern Division through 11 weeks of the season. So to recap, Rams plus three and a half, Giants minus three, Denver minus two and a half, Cincy minus four and a half, and the Jets plus three and a half. The week 11 selections in the National Football League. We come back, we'll get ready to send you out to the Bay Area for Knicks and the Warriors. Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's amazing. You know, we began this trip on the heels of the Oklahoma City disaster on Sunday afternoon where the Knicks just couldn't guard and didn't guard anybody. And then you're like, boy, you're going out west. You're playing a Utah team that hasn't lost in their gym yet. Then you got to play Denver and Jokic, and they haven't lost at home yet. I mean, it's just going to keep snowballing. And, you know, then you go to Golden State, who certainly has looked like a championship team at home this year. It's on the road that they can't beat anybody. But it just, it spelled disaster. But give them credit. You know, they shook off that lackluster performance at MSG. They go out there and really make a commitment to the defensive end, which is the most impressive. They did it in Utah. They did it in Denver, fourth quarter especially, and they walk out of there with a couple of victories. And now you go into Golden State tonight and you say, well, all right, you know, probably a lot of people aren't expecting you to win, but if they did, boy, that would be something. And it's going to have to take, once again, a great effort from Julius Randle, who looked like, you know, Julius Randle two years ago. Certainly the other night in Denver where he single-handedly almost won them that or helped win them that game, I should say. Because um, R.J. Barrett right now is a little off. You know, the, he, admittedly, he's fighting through something. He's not feeling all that well. And he's not shooting the ball great at all. So if he's not going to up his game, then it's going to have to be super Randall again. You're going to have to see a lot of Jalen Brunson. And the guy that's starting to carve out a nice little role for himself, and not even a little role, I should say, but a guy who's becoming a contributor here is Cam Reddish. You know, both ends of the floor. The stat sheet didn't wow you the other night, at least offensively. But what the dude did on the defensive end of the floor, you know what? That's worthwhile. I mean, the guy's got a seven-foot wingspan. You might as well put that bad boy to use. And right now, they're getting productivity out of that two-guard spot where you weren't before. You know, Evan Fournier wasn't giving you anything. And, you know, now he's basically like persona non grata with that team. And look, it happens. I mean, he's getting paid well. You know, he's a professional. He'll deal with it. I get it. But you got to ride this thing out and play the hot hand. You know, because Cam Reddish is somebody that you want to take a look at, even though he's a free agent at the end of the year, you could say, well, is this somebody that we should make sure to retain? If you could tap into all this tremendous upside. Remember, this guy was, what, the 10th pick in the draft once upon a time. You know, he was over, just like RJ was overshadowed coming out of Duke by Zion, Cam Reddish was overshadowed by RJ and Zion. But the talent was there, and that's what made uh, Cam Reddish really this interesting prospect coming into the draft because he had all this ability but he just wasn't always able to put it together 
And now maybe you're starting to see this. He's starting to become comfortable with the system. You know, he's committing to defense. And you need guys like that on this team. I know that offense, ultimately, at the end of the day, is what it's going to take to help you win some games. But if you're at least getting that commitment on the defensive end of the floor, that can help you out a lot. So you win a couple of games here to start this trip. Great. Tonight's not going to be easy. Sunday in Phoenix is not going to be easy. And then you got the revenge game on Monday in Oklahoma City. That is one that you almost expect them to put forward a better effort than what you saw the last time. Like, I can overlook if they lose to Golden State and Phoenix. Because part of you expects it, like I said. But don't go to Oklahoma City and lay another egg, please. Please, just don't do that. You know, I, I look, I'm realistic about my expectations. But you can't go into Oklahoma City and just not guard anybody again. Even if SGA takes over the game, all right, fine. He's going to be the best player on the floor that night. But go out there and at least look like you're maybe even a little bit further along than the way you looked last Sunday at the Garden. Because remember, when you get back to MSG, it doesn't get any easier. It doesn't get any easier at all. Because that is a brutal stretch. You got Portland and Memphis in there right after Thanksgiving. Good luck with that. Then you go to Detroit for a game, and then you got another four-game homestand. Milwaukee, Dallas, Cleveland, Atlanta. Wow. It's like the schedule makers doing the Knicks no favors. So you're darn right. Like, these first two wins that they got on this road trip, (laughs) they were big. They were really, really big just to even calm things down for a little bit. You know, you're back over 500. It's not going to be a disastrous road trip like maybe we kind of thought it might be just a few days ago. You know, imagine the conversation we'd be having right now if the Knicks lost the first two games on this trip and they were riding a three-game losing streak. And what happened if the first two games were like ugly losses? We probably wouldn't have been leading with, you know, talking about Aaron Judge and Brian Cashman sleeping outside in the first hour. I can promise you that. We'd probably be sitting there talking about Tom Thibodeau's job security. But now that's not an issue, at least for now. Put forward a good effort the next couple of nights and then go get that game in OKC on Monday. That's what I want to see from this team. Then you could at least look at this trip and go, all right, not bad. Maybe not what you want, but it wasn't a disaster. Signs of progress, encouragement. So we'll turn it over to the Knicks coverage here coming up in just a couple of minutes. And again, you know, Sunday should be a lot of fun for both of these teams. You know, the Giants, I understand it's not as flashy a matchup because you're playing the Lions. Lions are a bad team. They're rebuilding. There's really no rivalry with the Giants. But the Giants are still supposed to go out there and take care of business. And the Jets, on the other hand, our coverage will begin again at 11 a.m. Coming up on Sunday with the pregame show. This is a big one. You know, you think about what's at stake. Could be in first place. If you're old enough to remember, this kind of has like 1994 vibes on it. That year, Thanksgiving weekend, Jets were a 6-4 and four football team. They hosted the Miami Dolphins. If they won that game, they were going to be in first place at the end of the night. That was the fake spike game where the Jets blew a huge lead and Dan Marino broke their hearts at the end. The Jets lost out. Pete Carroll was fired. In came Rich Kotite. Disastrous couple of years until Bill Parcells rode into town. You get my point, though. You know, this kind of has those type of feels. Not to say that they're going to clean house at the end of the year, but you could be in first place come Thanksgiving if you win this game against a division rival, a team that 
I've been saying it, and I'll keep saying it. You should beat. And it's all right there in front of you. This team has answered the challenge time and time again this season. And now you have one more chance to do so up in a place where you haven't had a lot of success. You haven't won there in the regular season since 2008. You beat them in the playoffs in 2010, but that was a long time ago. They're going to be kids, Jet fans, young Jet fans watching that game on Sunday that have never seen in their lifetime the Jets win a game in Foxborough. I say now's as good a time as any. How about you? That is going to do it for us, though, on this Football Friday. Want to thank Jordan Renan. Want to thank Greg Buttle. Want to thank Julian Kushnick and Tom Bauer for producing the program. Keep it tuned right here to 98.7. Pat O'Keefe is going to have Nick's pregame for you. Then Ed and Brendan will have the call. I'll talk to you again Sunday morning at 11 for Jets Pats. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Dan Gross is saying so long on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>